What's happening, folks? It's Taurus Baker, known to the family as Kiki, and my brother Corey. Welcome to another episode of Apple Doesn't Fall podcast. Apple Doesn't Fall is a podcast inspired by that old phrase, an apple doesn't fall far from the tree. However, in this case, the apple represents a member of one's family, and the tree represents the family unit itself. So no matter if a family member passes away, moves away, or is still at the center of the family, family legacy and heritage can still stand strong. We wanted to capture and archive some of the stories about our family, the Jordans and the Bakers, that held mostly from Huntsville, Alabama. However, we've got family from all over the country that we'll be speaking to as well. What's happening, Corey? How you doing, brother? What's up, good brother? Now, in this particular episode, we wanted to do something a little different. We wanted to memorialize and talk about some of our family members on the Jordan side that are no longer with us. So we've got some of the eldest siblings and children of Frank and Mildred Jordan, Ruthie Jordan Hambrick, Cynthia Jordan Clopton, known to the family as Cent, and James Eddie Jordan joining us today. We're going to talk about their brothers, cousins, aunts, uncles, and any other family members that have passed on that they'd like to share stories about. Now, one other person that's here with us today that I want to make sure that I introduce is our aunt, Miss Tometta Jordan, is going to be joining in with us. And we have a story about someone that's close to her that we're going to be discussing as well. So I'm very happy that she's joining us too. What's happening, folks? How are you all doing? Good morning. Good morning. I want to thank you all for joining me today. Now, I'd like to start by talking about your siblings that have passed away, that have passed on. But first, I want to ask Cynthia, also known as Ain't Sent, if she would mind listing the siblings from oldest to youngest. The oldest, James, Eddie, Jordan, Willie, Jordan, Ruthie Jordan Hambrick, myself, Cynthia Jordan Clopton, Michael Jordan, Tometa Thompson. You're doing good, ain't he? <laughs> Delmarie Brown, Veronica Sales. And that's everybody. Can I do that over? Because <laughs> I got out of order. <laughs> yeah, Mike was, to yeah, Mike was before me. No worries, Andy. Do it one more time. One more time. It's all good. <laughs> oh, <darling. laughs> I didn't know you were going to put me on the surprise. Okay, ready? One more time. James Jordan, Willie Jordan, Ruthie Hambrick, David Jordan, Michael Jordan. Cynthia Clopton, Tometa Thompson, Delmarie Brown, and Veronica Sales. All right. Thank you for sharing that, A.T. Now, you have had a couple of siblings pass on. Uncle James Eddie, would you mind telling us who are your brothers that have passed on? I have two brothers, Kiki, that's passed on. My oldest brother next to me, we call him Willie Lee. Then my baby brother, Mike, we call him Tight. Let's talk about your brother, Mike, known also as Tight. 
Jordan first. Ruthie, would you mind telling us a little bit about who Mike Jordan was? Maybe share a story about him or a fond memory you may have with him. Mike was our brother that, well, for, foremost, he was our brother that kept all our vehicles running at all times. He was the mechanic. If our vehicle went down, we call Mike. Now, he would definitely come to our rescue. But if we had a vehicle that we could substitute, he kind of took his time about coming. But he would get it done. But one thing I can say about him, I mean, he knew what he was doing. And he definitely, and to this day, I definitely miss him. I just yesterday, I had to put my car in the shop and I was like, oh, my brother Mike is not here. But he had some interesting stories. And, you know, Mike and I worked along in the fields together. And, you know, we had a good time together. And uh, um, so, you know, we're going to definitely miss Michael. And um, so, but we had some fun times together. Very sweet, but you know, I mean, he could get aggravated with whatever, and you know, but we just kind of tipped around him, and he cooled off. But, but yeah, he was he was a fine person to be around. Now, ain't sent. Mike is the brother or the sibling that's right before you. Do you have any stories to share about I, you and your brother Mike? My fondest memory is when we were in high school. Mike taught all of my girlfriends how to drive. So one particular day, we went to Johnson High School, where we graduated from, and it's kind of open space. So Mike was taking turns letting each one of my friends drive. And so all of us said, Mike was kind of like a jokester. He loved to play little jokes, and then he just crack up laughing afterwards. So this particular day, I never will forget. So Mike said... Mm, we were driving, and whoever was driving was driving, and the rest of us were in the car together. And so all of a sudden, the car stopped. And Mike said, oh, we're out of gas. I'm going to need all of you to get out and push the car. <laughs> well, guess what? We all got out, and we pushed, and we pushed. And all of a sudden, we get so far, and Mike just crank up the car, and just take off. And he just burst out <laughs> laughing. So we were pushing the whole time. The car wasn't out of gas. He yeah. was a jokester. And uh, another big memory I'll always remember because it will always be behind me, quote, behind me. We were in a cotton field one day, and we were planting cotton seeds in the skips where the cotton didn't come up. Well, Mike, with his bright idea... And I'm right there with him because I was kind of like in between a rock and a hard place. It was either I was going to get a whooping by Daddy or I was going to get beat up by Mike. So Daddy gave us all of these cotton seeds. I mean, it was a big old bag of cotton seeds. And we were to go and plant the seeds, drop the seeds in the skips where no cotton was. So it was such a big task. And I guess Mike just wasn't up to the task. So he said, sent. We're going to dig a hole, and we're going to put all these seeds right here in this hole. So, of course, like I said, I didn't have much choice. And being young and, and, and ignorant, I just went along with him. So, in less than five minutes, we had gotten rid of 
a big old bag of cotton seeds. And there was no way we could have planted those all through the fields. So daddy came over. He was like, oh, y'all out of cotton seeds. Stupid us. We were like, yes, sir. So daddy came over, kicked the ground up, and there were all those seeds. And guess what? <laughs> we got the worst whooping or beating in our life. So let me see if I got this right. Let me there see was no right. way we could get rid of them in that length of time. And we didn't understand that concept or we would have, would not have done it. So but we planted all those seeds right there. And that was a waste of money. And back there, back then in that day and time, money was very, very important. And a waste, mm-mm, it didn't waste money back then. Huh? Yes. Now, you said he kicked up the dirt and all those seeds cranked out. So did he see what you guys did? Because he had to know where you where the seeds were in order to be able to kick them up. Well, I think he knew that as many seeds that he had given them, it would have taken hours to I get that. Get. But you said that he actually kicked up the spot where you where you planted them seeds, where you dropped them seeds. Right. You know older people back then, they were very wise. He probably had his eyes on us the whole time. And I, I can't remember if it was, you know, right there when he came over or where, but he kicked the dirt up and there were all the seeds. I heard it. Okay. Uncle Letty, you got something you want to share about it, Uncle Mike? Quickly, they, they've said it all. Yeah, Michael was a, he was sort of a jokester. He was a, he was a character. Uh, his daughter told me the other day, Mike had two daughters I told you the other day, Scooter and Fruity. She said, Uncle Ed, I need to tell a story about my dad. They've done that. Mike was a unique fellow. As I told you the other day, he was a basketball whiz. He could shoot the basketball. He was the original Michael Jordan. He was born before the other Michael Jordan. So he was, he was unique. Didn't care much about school. He just wanted to go and play basketball. Principal catch him in the gym. Mike could take the paddles. He didn't have to worry about no class. He would shoot basketball all day. He... Uh, he was he was he was nice. He was uh, he, he'll be missed. He was uh, he was one of a kind. And as Ruth has said, he was a, he was a mechanic. He could do it. He could do it all. And as she said he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't let you down. But if you had two vehicles, he would tell you in a minute get in the other one. So that was Mike. He was a very likable person, you know. And everybody knew him in the community. Everybody knew him in the community. Loved his loved his sisters and brothers. As they said at his at his funeral, did nobody mess with him. Ain't no Mike would uh, he would be there. And Mike not only was a jokester in his early days, but in his last few days of life, he was still a jokester. The medical people they all knew him and and they cut up with him. And I can remember um, he was getting ready to go under anesthesia, and uh, the nurse said, "Oh, you're gonna be out in a few minutes or whatever." So Mike did this, like, and closed his eyes. She's just like, Mr. Jordan, Mr. Jordan. He just woke up and started, not woke up. He just started laughing, like, gotcha. So he was always that type. And to add to what they're saying about the auto mechanics, a great gift from God, because that's the only place it could have come from, because Mike never went to school. He was never educated in mechanics. So I guess with Daddy and his farm, uh, equipment. Daddy used to have Mike and Dave both working on tractors and all this. So I'm assuming that he just took up the love of 
mechanics and fixing things and probably worked on things with his hands. And God just gave him the ability to take any car apart, put it back together. It was just, it had to be in. But that, that was a skill and a blessing from on high. And you know, it's funny because the time that my brother and I, Corey, spent with Uncle Mike, we used to love when Uncle Mike used to come around. He was so fun. I loved his voice too. He had a real distinct voice and a real distinct way of talking. But he absolutely is missed. Now, I want to move the discussion on a little bit and talk about your other brother that has passed on that Uncle Eddie shared with us, Mr. Willie Lee Jordan. Tell us a little bit about Willie Jordan. Yeah, as I said before, uh, Willie was, he was sort of the rebel of the family. Willie was, he was the one that if you told him left, he was going to go right. He was just, he was, he wasn't the norm. Willie was, uh, yeah, he was, he was Willie. He was going to do it his way. He was going to do it his way. Uh, he was the only one that I know stood up to daddy before he's getting a whooping later. And he was determined. That was the last whooping he was going to get. And it was. But he left because he knew he, he had to go. But uh, he, was, he was the type that he was going to push the envelope. That was Willie. No matter what, he was going to push the envelope. So we miss him. He, uh, he, was, he was one of a kind. Well, one of the stories that I have that I can remember, well, we grew up in the field, of course, picking cotton and, um, you know, farming. And uh, Eddie, myself, Willie, Dave, Sant, yeah, well, basically all of the older ones, and um, we would go to the field, and we we kind of had a quota each day to meet as far as picking cotton and all. So Daddy said, "Okay, y'all go, you know, to the field, um, you know, go to work and all and all." So Willie, just about every day, Willie was such a jokester and all, and he. He would go, we would all go, and we did what we needed to do and was supposed to do. So he walking beside us as we working or whatever, and he telling jokes and, you know, making us laugh and making us stop and stand up, you know, and not do what we do. So each day at the end of the day, you know, we get home and, you know, Daddy said, how did it go? And, you know, it was, oh, it was fine and everything. And so, you know, there was times when we didn't come in from the field, we were supposed to be in from the field before it got dark. So it would be dark, and Daddy said, you know, where have y'all been? You know, we was like, oh, we were trying to finish out the bell and all, and, you know. But little did he know, we were trying to help Willie because he didn't have anything in those cotton sacks, you know. He was just he was just joking and, and not doing what he was supposed to do. So finally, you know, Daddy was, he got wise, and he was like, you know, that that little tale that we told every day got old. So Daddy was like, you know, where y'all been? It was like, we were trying to, he was like, no. We were trying to keep Willie from getting a whipping every day. You know, but he didn't even care. He didn't, he he just, he just kept each day. It was the same thing each day. 
So, um, like I said, Daddy got wind of it and all, and, you know, Daddy finally said, oh, no, that's not what y'all were there, why y'all were there so late, you know. But, like I say, but Willie was Willie. You know, it didn't matter what, you know, he was going to do whatever he chose to do. And so, but we had some fun times together. He always said we looked alike, you know. Kiki, one quick thing. As Ruthie said, Daddy wasn't going to tolerate Ruthie outworking Willie. And that's what it came down to. I had to get it to keep up with Ruthie myself. But Willie joking, he definitely wasn't going. And Daddy didn't play that. So every day we try to help him. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. That was your daddy, Willie. All right. <laughs> Not to be redundant, but to echo exactly what they're saying, he was Willie was kind of rebellious, and Willie was who he was. He didn't make any bones about it. And um, I never will forget uh, in his last days, he made he kept making lasagna. So that's how I learned how to make lasagna. Cause I was like, I never knew what sauce and what went in the sauce and all that. And I watched him one day make the lasagna. And to this day, I can make some fire lasagna. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh another thing, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And like Eddie said. It was if you told Willie he couldn't do it, he was gonna do it. Just the opposite of what you said, he was gonna prove you wrong. So again, when someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. That's that rebel spirit. He was also he was a good cook, and he would let you know that he was a great cook. He didn't think anybody could cook but him. Hold on. So you're saying, okay, there we go. So you're saying he was a good cook. But he thought he was a great cook huh? and, yeah. and wanted to hear it from you. <laughs> and yeah. he was a great cook. And he sent me my first whole cookware set when he was still in the Army. And I had just gotten married, I think, at that time. But I And I still have most of them today. And even the skillet that we cooked the chicken in yesterday is part of that set, which needs to be in the garbage can. But I refuse <laughs> to throw it away. Hey, I remember Ruth telling me your story. About <laughs> excuse me, she saw him cooking one time, <laughs> and she said she ain't just cooking no more. <laughs> what was it that you saw it, Ruby? <laughs> he was making some kind of soup or something, <laughs> and he—it uh, was funny because uh, you know, like I say, he always thought he was the best cook, so. You know, he'd go and he'd blow his nose. And so he'd come right on back and he'd continue to cook. And he said, hey, get you a bowl of this soup. And I said, no, I'm not hungry today. Not really hungry today. And he was like, hey, get you a bowl of this soup. And I can remember, too, he went to when he came to your wedding uh, he, in the hotel, he went to Walmart and he bought all this stuff to cook and all, and he made this big pot of, I don't know what he call it, gumbo or something, but he thought that was the best. And I, I think you got your bowl of it, if I'm not mistaken. I, I may have. <laughs> I may have. You know, Willie's cooking really started in the military. A lot of people don't realize that Willie ran big military dining halls. I went one time to Hawaii. Willie was over the dining hall. So he had a skill. He had a skill, and he utilized it. So can we ask questions? Absolutely, yeah. This is a conversation, ain't you? Well, why don't you and your brother tell us a little bit 
about your dad and your fondest memories. Okay. I remember my daddy's van that he used to drive in back in the day. He'd come pick me and my brother up sometimes from council court, take us around, show us the van. I mean, the van was just hooked up on the inside. I think he had like a nice little couch up in there and nice table, TV and everything. We used to love hanging out with him in his van because it was almost like a, a mobile house, a mini house. He took care of that van. We used to love hanging out with him. And I remember his voice too. He had a very, very distinctive, deep, polished voice that a lot of people love to hear. Corey, you got something you want to share? Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love my father. Um, like you said, he, he used to come pick us up. He, he'd be dressed to the nines. He, he'd have a, a cup full of 50-cent pieces for all the kids in the neighborhood. He'd drive that van through council court. And uh, before he would even get to my grandmother's house, he's got the window open and a trail of kids following him, picking up these 50-cent pieces he's throwing out the window. And... um. Man, I just I just love being around him. He ended up taking us to Oklahoma for one summer. And uh I'll never forget that summer. We had we had a blast. Um Kiki almost killed himself riding a bike. Um we we seen a we seen a lot. We had a lot of fun with him. Ain't he to meta. You had a son that passed away. His name was Brian. Do you mind sharing a little bit about Brian and the type of person he was? What was his full name? When did he pass? Is he your first or second child? His full name was Brian Keith Jordan. He he was born February 5th of 1988. He passed away in September the 9th of 2007. Can you tell us a little bit about him, Tom? What was his personality like? He had a good personality. He was mean. <laughs> <laughs> Where did he get this meanness from? Probably from his dad. Did he go to school? He went to school here in Huntsville. He was raised here in Huntsville, right? He went to Hazel Green um, High School and Lynn Fanning Middle School, I mean, elementary, Meridianville Middle School. He graduated from Hazel Green. What was he like as a kid? Was he uh, kind of a loud kid? Always excited kid, kind of mellow kid. Kind of always excited kid. He was always excited, always into something. Yeah. Now, as a kid, what were some of the things that he liked? Did he like sports? Did he like? Uh, when they was about nine, ten or so, they played football for this little football league, and he was really excited about that. So, so Brandon is the eldest of your two children. Yeah, Brandon is the oldest. He's thirty three. Thirty three, and how much older is he than Brian was? They were 17 months apart. 17 months apart, okay. So they were pretty close in age. What were some of the major differences between the two? There's always that duality, that yin and yang with your kids, right? Well, Brandon, you could go to Walmart and buy him whatever, but you couldn't go to Walmart and buy Brian that. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted the mall and all that. Wow. That's awesome, Atah. He, he was a man of taste, huh? Kiki, I think, let me just say this. Brian was Tom's was Tom's apple, I believe. She was she probably spoiled Brian. Brandon a little bit different. Brandon was just a he was a he was a lands guy. He was a fisherman and so forth. Brian was a little bit different. And I remember as a kid, not in a bad way, but he used to have a habit of hitting his mom. And I used to tell him, "Don't hit your mom." And he'd look at me. 
But that was just Brian. He didn't mean no harm, but she said he had a little bit of a streak in him. I'm sorry that we, I never really got the opportunity to, to know him all that well. It was great. For those we didn't actually share, they were actually on location here in Huntsville, Alabama, my brother and I, Corey, and my aunts, uh, and my uncles, and my cousins, and um, a lot of other family came out to, to see us, as well as a celebration for my Aunt Delmarie's birthday. And it was good to see all of the younger folks that Corey and I didn't get the opportunity to grow up with. It was good to see Brandon. I actually do remember Brandon as a child, but never really had the opportunity to see him as a grown man. And I was very happy to see that he was taking care of his kids, taking care of his wife, and was doing fairly well. Um, Brian is the one that I didn't get the opportunity to, to hang out with much or really get to know as a young child. So I'm sad I didn't get the opportunity to meet him and hang out with him and talk with him a little bit. But it was important for me to make sure that we had the opportunity to talk about him a little bit so that we all remember him. And Tom, thank you for sharing what you shared. We really appreciate that. So Ruthie, your husband... James Hambrick passed away about five or six years back. Would you mind telling us a little bit about James? Well, James was a very nice person. Give us his full name first, if you don't mind. James Willie Hambrick. He was the older child of Aline Hambrick from Newmarket, Alabama. Willie Garner from Newmarket, Alabama. He had one brother and one sister. Um, what was his birthday? When, what year was he born, actually? December. His birthday was December 19th, 1952. The reason I asked when his birthday was is... Uncle James had the same birthday that I had. I will yes. never forget his birthday. <laughs> yes, he did have the same birthday. I didn't know that. Yes, he did. Um, and matter of fact, Dale's birthday is two days prior to yours and, and um, James. So you're saying that this past Sunday, when we had the celebration for Miss Del Marie for her birthday, we were having a celebration for my birthday. As well, unsuspectingly. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, like I said, James was the older brother of his siblings, and I met James. Um, I went to Buckhorn High School, and James was uh, an athlete, an awesome athlete. There, he played football, and it's ironic because I was talking to. One of my classmates just the other day, and um, he was um, complimenting me on my grandson, you know, the athleticism of, you know, him. And he was like, well, you know, uh, he probably got that from his granddaddy because uh, James was an awesome athlete. And, and he went on to say, you know, James was a mean football player. He said, uh, I was on one side of the field and James was on the other one. And um he said, when James hit you, buddy, you laid out. He, he said, him, he hit, you know, back then, football was really football. And he said, man, he meant for you to feel it when he hit you. And, you know, he was. He was a good, he was a good athlete. James went on into the service, um, this is his senior year of um, high school. Um, 
I met him, you know, and like I say, I was going to Bocorn. He was a he was a year or so older than I was, you know. So, like I say, he signed up and went into the military. And um, I got to say, um, me and Uncle James, I loved Uncle James. Uncle James was a, was a real good dude. Whenever we came around, even as kids, he always showed his love. When he had to put his foot down, he put his foot down, but it was always with love, no matter what condition that he was in at the time. That's the one thing that I always loved and respected about uh, Uncle James when it came to the kids and other family members that would come around to hang around Aunt Ruthie and, and her son, Kenyon, Kenny. I actually met James. <laughs> I was playing softball, and uh, one of my softball friends actually um, introduced me to him and all. And, you know, we were we were traveling, like, from Huntsville to uh Tennessee, which wasn't very far, not a long ways, but Fayetteville and little places up through there. So my friend introduced me to him, and um, he started traveling with us, you know. And um, that's that's kind of how I met him, because I really didn't meet him at the school, per se, you know, but um, that's how we met. Now, Uncle Eddie, did you have something you wanted to share about James? Quickly, what you just echoing what you said. Jane was a was a special fellow. As he was the best brother in law that, that that I had. He was the type guy that you never got a crossword from him. He was always nice, kind, uh, just a just a good individual, a good individual. And uh, when when James passed, it was uh, it was it was a tough time because he was just a likable guy. He was a likable guy. Didn't bother nobody. Mind his own business. Would call me for advice on certain occasions and this and that. But just a good guy. And you know what's funny? Um, he had his vices, just like my father and Uncle Mike did. They all liked to drink. Even when he was drinking. Still nice. Still very nice to us. You know what I mean? And that was the one thing that I really appreciated about him. He also was very protective over his Loved ones, you know, and as growing up, you know, they would always tell the story that, you know, they lived in Newmarket. You know, Newmarket is a very close community, very close-knit community. And um, I guess James was always the one that uh, when they ran in, like, packs, I guess you could call it, and when uh, anybody bothered anybody in that pack, you know, they they looked to James to, to take care of the matter, you know, and he— he would. He would take care of it, you know. And uh, they also told this story about uh, uh, one of their one of his friends didn't know how to swim, and so he jumped off in this creek, right? And uh, so everybody was looking like, you know, what are we going to do? Because he's off in this creek and he can't swim. And also James jumped in there and rescued him, you know. So they always depended on James to kind of, you know, come to the rescue, take care of the matter, and, you know, and I, and he did, so. All right, folks here. So the next person we want to discuss was your mother, Mildred's sister, Mamie. Ain't Mamie, as we lovingly called her. When did she pass away, and can you talk about her a little bit? Um, my most fond memory that, memories that I'll always remember from Ain't Mamie is if you ever went to a sporting event, game, 
Aunt Mamie would work those officials. Oh, do you need my glasses? You can't see. Oh, anything that would come to her mind, she would say it, and she would work the officials from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And, I mean, she would get them rolling. But you know what? They had the utmost respect for it. They never took it personal. They didn't wear their uh, feelings on their shoulders. And after the game, she's, she was tell them, oh, you know, I was just playing with you. But everything that she said at the time, she was very sincere. But she, <laughs> I will always remember that. I mean, like I said about uh, Willie, when a person shows you who they are, believe them the first time because she would work them. But Mamie was a strong black woman. And uh, she, she spoke her mind and she didn't back down to anything. Sometimes she were wrong and sometimes she was right but i believe in her heart she meant no harm but just having fun and she loved to have fun but a strong black woman a lot of wisdom hey mamie she was that library that closed down a lot of things leave hey mamie she could tell you some everything she had a lot in her she really did uh, I wanted to echo what Cynthia said about, I was around Aunt Mamie a lot, you know, when I was high school and past high school, sporting-wise. Um, we would go to, because my cousin Puddin played as well as I did, and um, so we'd be at the games, and like Cynthia said, Aunt Mamie would give those officials, I mean, she would give them the endowment. And so... There was times when, you know, I wanted to crawl up under the bleachers and not come back out. I'm like, you know, I was so embarrassed, you know, and I'm like, and uh, they was like, uh, Ruthie, is that your aunt? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I, it, there was times when I, I felt so bad because, I mean, I was like, and, um, you know, if, if, it was, if it was now, you know, she wouldn't be allowed at any part, you know. But, you know, she had a good time, though. But, you know, she never missed any of the events, you know. And um, she would always be there to cheer us on. But I, I promise you, man, I, I wanted to lay down some days and just crawl up under the bleachers and go out the other way, you know. But but it was a lot of fun because she was very supportive. Uh, she and Aunt Martha both, you know. And um, we went a lot of places and uh, played a lot of games and, uh, had a lot of fun. Now, how long has it been since she passed? She passed away um, in October of 2019. Okay, so just recently, just actually. Just recently, yes. No, yeah. 2018, because Mike passed September 14, 2018. 2018, 2018? okay. 2018. So, right. The date today is February the 21st of 2020, so that would have been uh, a year and a couple of months ago. Yes. Go yes. now, okay. Yes, I'm sorry, yes. No worries. Now, Uncle Eddie, I want to ask you about your mother's brother, Charles. Just recently passed away in October of 2018, a little over a year and a couple months ago. Uncle Eddie, were you guys close to Uncle Charles? Very close, very close. Uh, that was Mama's baby brother. He was the youngest of all of Mom's siblings. And I got to... Uh, Uncle Charles wasn't, wasn't a lot older than myself. He wasn't two or three years, a couple of years older than me. But uh, he was a one-of-a-kind. He was a big sports fan. 
Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and he loved to rag me about my team, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he would call me, especially when they would lose, and he would tease me. He had a name from the Cowgirls. So it was kind of annoying, but I had to take it because he was my uncle. I don't care how bad we would lose and how bad you would feel, he still would rub it in. But he was my uncle. So he was, he was, he was different. Uncle Charles was, uh, he cared about his family. Uh, he used to pick at my mom, I never forget. And uh, he, would, uh, he had names for all of them, all of them. Hey, Martha was Matt Dillon. Mama was Stuffed Chicken. He, he had names for all of them. He was just that type fella. That's awesome. So he was a fun kind of guy. Fun kind of guy. <laughs> awesome. So let's talk about our cousins now. I want to talk about our cousin, Pumpkin. Now, Ruthie, you had a fairly close relationship with cousin Pumpkin. Can you tell us a little bit about her? First of all, we all know her by her nickname. What was her government name? And then share any stories that you'd like to share about Cousin Pumpkin. Pumpkin's real name was Yvonne Cable Stewart. She was a year or so older than I am. But we kind of grew up together in a sense. Um, We actually went the last couple of years of high school. We went to high school together. Um... Punkin used to come out and um, drive. They would drive out on Winchester, and we would walk out to Winchester and catch the bus together. And um, her and my cousin Alva, um, we share a lot of things together. Um, Punkin was kind of reserved. I mean, she was very outspoken, but um, she um, worked at. Redstone, after graduating from college, she worked on Redstone Arsenal as a librarian uh, on Redstone. And uh, I think she had about 30, 40 years of service. Uh, We talked about retiring. And I think she really had kind of made up her mind that she was going to retire, you know, but... Um, unfortunately, she didn't retire before her death. Um, she was a very loving person. She took care of her mom for years and years. She took care of her husband when he got sick, and um, her husband passed away like a year or so before she did. But she took him, and she she was she was a really you know nice person, and. Um, would do anything for you. Um, very missed. You said that she was basically your best friend. Whenever you had things that you wanted to work through and a person you wanted to talk to, uh, Punkin was the one that you would come to to discuss those things with, right? I could always talk to her. I remember we. I used to go back and forth to Nashville or whatever, and um, sometime it would be late when um, if I was by myself or even if we were together and, and we would always say, oh, God, I'm so sleepy. What am I going to do, you know, to get home and all? And I said, hey, I'm going to call my cousin Pumpkin. 
So I would call her up and um I said, Hey cousin, you know, she was like she was like, Oh, you using me and I said, Oh no, but she would talk me all the way home and I, I promise you, I mean, I was so sleepy, but talking to her, you know, in the Lord. We would get home. She kept you alive. She kept me alive. <laughs> but uh, she would always tease me about, what well, you're just using me to get home. And I said, oh, no. I said, cousin, I really want to talk to you. And, you know, we just kind of talking. We knew a thing. We was at home. But, yeah. And to add to that, Punkin, or Yvonne, a.k.a. Punkin, Punkin was a book of knowledge and, you know, it's kind of ironic because out of all the years of her being here on Earth and myself, I did not know Punkin was a librarian until we were working on the obituary. And then it all fell into place. Like, that's why she knows so much. She knew something about everything. It didn't matter which subject came up. Punkin had a lot of conversation, and she'd be dead on point. And I was like, I used to think, Tag, she knows everything. And then on the other hand, she also was like a parole officer. That's what the young people called her, PO, as a parole officer, because she would be so inquisitive and she would ask them so many questions because, you know, these young folks, they're doing this and that, wrong things, right things, and she would not let them uh, down. She would ask them and they would answer in every question that she would ask, and she'd keep going on and on and on until she got the answers. And I was like, that's why she knows so much. She's a librarian, and I did not know that. She was also loving and caring and just a wonderful person, and she's truly missed. That's awesome. She also helped raise her cousins, um, Puddin's kids. She was a very instrumental mother-like figure in their lives. She did a great job on them. Just echoing what Ruthie just said, she took care of mama's side of the family. Yvonne did so much. She took care of everybody. She was was special. She was a big teddy bear, had a heart of gold, would do anything for anybody. That was pumpkin. I grew up with her. I lived in a house with her as a kid. Her dad was a... Was a, was a black businessman, Cable's Bakery on Church Street. Yvonne and I used to walk to Church Streets. She was a good person. She was close to me, like a sister. I'm probably like that brother she didn't have growing up, but a good person. We, she'll be missed. She was also very, very close to her mom. They were like sisters. I mean, very close. Tell us who her mom is. Her mom is... Ollie B. Cable, which is my mom's sister. Okay. And uh, matter of fact, after Aunt Ollie divorced her husband, oh, you know, she's been Yvonne, Aunt Ollie, and Yvonne's husband, Lestel, they all lived together. So they were, you know, one big happy family, but she's always been there for her mom, always been there for her mom. While we're on the subject of cousins, our cousin Pudding passed away a while back. She made such an impression on myself and my brother and, and, of course, some of the other cousins, most of all the other cousins. We wanted to hear more about her. Can you guys talk about Puddin' a little bit? Puddin's real name was Sylvia Andre Davis. Um, Puddin' was a great, great athlete. 
She played basketball. Aunt Martha said she made the football team. And uh, she she was very, very tomboyish. So, so everybody knows she's a female, and she actually made she the football team. She made the football team. Was it a middle school football team or a high school? school? She made the high school football Aunt team. Aunt Martha said it was Johnson High School now. Wow, okay. But anyway, she was very athletic. She and I and Cynthia and I, we played softball together and— um, that girl could outdo any man. I mean, she was great, you know. She was she was a very loving person, you know. She has three kids and one grand grandchild. But she's she's gonna be highly missed as well. She had two grandkids. She had two grandkids. I'm okay. sorry, yeah, she did have two. Okay. My bad. Okay, no worries. But um yeah, like I say, she was she was a very special person, and she was Aunt Martha's. Aunt Martha had two children, I believe. One one passed, and so you know, putting with her heart, of course, you know, and um, um, putting um was kind of close to I think Cynthia in age. Is it? Yeah, she. Um, but putting with it always. Um, we have a picture um, somewhere. Of pudding, she uh, would always come, you know, visit us, and uh, we have a picture of pudding. Actually, uh, when we first got our utilities, she was, you know, they took a picture of her. You know, we were the last house in the city to get utilities. So, about what year was this? I was in the sixth grade when we first got utilities. So I was twelve, and I am sixty now. Can you do the math for me? 48 years ago. 48 years ago. Wow. And Puddin loved to come up here she because did. she loved she loved the outdoors. She loved to move around. And she I guess she loved us because she didn't really have any siblings. So um, like everybody said about it, she was a fantastic athlete in any sport. Anything that she did physically, uh, she was th- she was the bomb. She was awesome. Um Echoing what they said, Putin was, she was, she was special. She was special. Loved her people. Loved her people. Ruth was talking about the picture that came out in the newspaper. Putin was right there. Putin was right there in the picture. Let me just say this. You could be in a room. You might not be feeling the best. Putin would come in that room. Putin would light that room up. That was Putin. She was who she was. She was she was special. She was special. So we, we'll miss her. We, we do miss her. So I want to continue to talk a little bit about um, one of our aunts. I never really had the opportunity to meet her much. I think I met her once, maybe twice. Um, but definitely wanted to talk a little bit about her daughter, Aunt Ophelia. Her daughter, Alva, she passed away a while ago. And from what I understand, you guys were really close growing up. Would you would you mind sharing some stories about cousin sure. Alva? Let's, let's go with ain't sent. <laughs> Alva, our cousin, was the most energetic, positive. I'll give you everything I have. Alva would come from Chicago, Illinois. Of course, she didn't have really anything in Huntsville, Alabama, but you couldn't tell it. Because Alva would come, if we have family gatherings, parties, 
she would act like everything belonged to her and just share it with everyone. She was that type of person. She was the life of the party. She was loving. She was caring. And she wanted everybody to feel the same way. She was just awesome. I truly miss her. And she had a smile that would light up the world, too. But she was so giving and so loving. And like I said, she wanted to share everything with everybody, even the things that she didn't have to share, she would share. <laughs> she also, Ava was, I guess she, I'm not sure if she was born here in Huntsville or Chicago, but she spent some time here in Huntsville. Matter of fact, she graduated from Buckhorn High School as well. It was her, Yvonne, and myself that went to, to Buckhorn she spent her last couple of years here in high school, here in Huntsville. And like I said earlier, they would come out out here on Winchester. Uh, we met at uh, the stop sign out there, and we, we caught the bus. And, you know, and her last year of high school, um, she had some type of medical issue. I'm not sure what it was, but... Um, uh, she would get sick quite often at the school, and um, we'd always they would always have to call the ambulance. And um, anytime you heard the ambulance coming or whatever, you knew it was coming for her. Um, not sure what was going on, but you know, I you know, but she got okay. But um, that happened quite quite a bit, and. Um, that was her last year of high school, but she loved to come to Alabama. Uh, she would always come, and, and bless her heart, you know, she would always um, try to give to, you know. She really didn't have a whole lot, you know, and all, but she would always, I remember her telling Kenny one time, and he was real little, maybe five, six years old, and she said, oh, baby, you're going to be so happy because I got you something for Christmas. It's <laughs> so... He, you know how kids are. He was all excited about what, you know. And so when he opened it up, it was a pair of tube socks. And, uh, <laughs> so he was like, you know. But uh, she, I'm telling you, she was, you know, she was just that loving type of person. But, you know, she tried her best to, you know, share what she had and, you know, and all. And But she did. She told him, she said, oh, you're not going to. Yeah, but wait till Christmas. I got you something very nice for Christmas. <laughs> so when he opened it up, and I mean, it was a pair of tube socks, you know, kid, you know. I mean, he was just so heartbroken. <laughs> but um, That is hilarious. Wow, okay. Awesome, A.T. Kiki, one quick thing with Alva, our cousin Alva. Yeah, she was. She was the life of the party. She didn't have a lot. But she, what she had, she shared. She would come here, as Cynthia said, she would come here and take over. And Ali, Yvonne, they would let, Alva just, just had a house. Alva would invite the guests. Yeah, she would always. Tell you, you, you sitting at the table. You sitting at the head table. I'm thinking, cuz, it's not yours. <laughs> but Alva was unique. She was special. That legacy that we're talking about now is so important. For the young ones to come on, they they was gifted. They had this love. I just hope that continues. They were special. Let's talk about your mother, Mildred. Mildred Jordan. Tell us some stories about Mama Mildred. Mildred was a strong black woman. Mama went through a whole lot. After all, she gave birth to 11 children. 
So that says it all in a nutshell. But very strong. Um, a lot of memories when we were growing up. Mama would be cooking in the kitchen. Mama would make fires in the uh, stove. She would just do it all. And um, more memories or probably the most recent memories uh, before she passed was Mama would have to stop at Walmart every time she go out and on her way home. And most of the time, sometimes you would get a little aggravated because you could be almost home, and by the time you get close to pulling up at home, Mama needs to go to Walmart. So then as we learned better and time went on, we would always beat her to the punch and ask her, Mama, do you have anywhere to stop? Yeah, I think I need to stop at Walmart. So <laughs> that kind of took care of that. But Mama loves shopping at Walmart. And she was she was slow. And I think that's where I got my slowness from. Because <laughs> I am very slow, too. She moves slow, never really in a hurry. So you learn patience from that as well. But Walmart, Walmart, Walmart. Let me just say, this brother of mine here got that from her because he is a Walmart fiend. This guy goes to Walmart like every day. So I love Walmart. I ain't gonna lie to you. One-stop shopping. You gotta love places where you can get everything you need in one place. Kiki, just want to say a couple quick things about Mama. Mama was, as Cynthia said, she was, she was one of a kind, strong, birthed 11 kids, never complained, never complained. She was just, uh, she was, she was, she was, uh, I, I put it like this. She was a silent scream, if that makes sense to you. She was a silent scream. She, she just, she's moved through. I look at my sister, Tometta. I see my mama. That's mama right there, Tometta. That's mama. Mama was special. Mama was special. She hung in there, birthing 11 kids. Didn't have the best coming up. I think Cynthia said one time about our daddy, a good father, a better father than husband. That's, that says something. Loved them both, but mom, mom was special. That's awesome. And I think it's so important for us to be honest and be real about the relationships that we had with our family members. I think our younger generation needs to hear some of these stories, the good and the bad, so they can learn from them. There you improve go. from them. You know what I mean? Sometimes the challenges that we've had as families, that, that's not something to hide. You know what I mean? We all need to learn from that and discuss that sometimes. So I appreciate you sharing that, Uncle Eddie. And Ruthie, do you have something you want to share about Mama, Mama Mildred? Well, she was very quiet. She didn't talk very much. She didn't tell me very much. I'm being the oldest girl, you know, and I, I've shared this story with you before. And, um, each time Mama was pregnant, I never knew. She never said, Ruthie, uh, I'm pregnant, whatever. Well, all I knew was, hey, Mama's gone. And, you know, at that time, she was going to her mother's to have the, the baby. And uh, all of the kids except Eddie were born by midwife. And um, so... I got smart enough to know that um, each time she left, that was why she left, you know. She was gone, you know, back then. They, you know, you didn't, after you had a child, you didn't just come right back out, you know. You stayed in for a couple of weeks or so. 
So as she was gone, you know, when she was gone, you know, that left me to take care of all my siblings and to make sure daddy, you know, had what he needed to go to work, you know. Um, so, but mama, like I say, mama never alerted me or anything, you know. And I never knew when my mama was pregnant. I never knew. You know, all I knew when she left, you know, where, you know, and she come back with another one, you know. <laughs> so it was like, oh, man, you know. But, you know, like I said, but she, all of, that I can remember, mama never, mama never was a, a vocal person. She never really talked, you know. And you know what's so funny that you say you don't know where she went when uh, she went to have her babies. And I was talking to Aunt Martha. We did a, a, an episode with Aunt Martha. And Aunt Martha was like, she was over here with me and the midwife. Having her babies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's where she was. And, you know, and, you know, of course, Big Mama was living too. And so, you know, like I say, you know, back in the day, you know, you just didn't have it. Mama challenges. Ella. Mama Ella was, was yes. still around. Big Absolutely. Mama, right? Okay. So, you know, like I say, all of us except James was born um, by midwife at Grandmama's. So. Gotcha. Ain't Tom, do you have something you want to share about Mama? Mama Mildred, you know your your, your mannerisms mannerisms are just like her. You look just like her. <laughs> I know you got something you want to share. Come on now. <laughs> well, I feel the most important because everybody says I'm just like her, and that's a compliment. All right, awesome. Now, before we close out, there's one last person that we got to talk about, and that's Daddy Frank. We need to talk just a little bit about Frank. So I'm gonna start out. I want eight cent. Cynthia, tell us a little bit about your daddy, Frank. Well, to sum it up in a nutshell, daddy, in my opinion, when we were growing up, I felt like he was very, very strict, and he put the fear of God in you. But to be honest, I wouldn't give anything to go back and do it all over again. I appreciate all the sternness, all the firmness, all the Christian values, everything, because it made me a better person, and it equipped me for life, to be honest. So I, you know, and I used to think, all my other friends, they have all this and all that. We didn't have very much, but we had love, and we had both uh, parents in the household, and even though then I couldn't put together what was going on, but he knew the best for us, and he didn't want the girls to get in trouble, as in getting pregnant uh, in early in life. And, and he just, he really wanted the best for his children, and he tried to provide that. And, and I, I feel like he was a good provider, even though we didn't realize it back then because we were young. But um, And it was I a hard life everything. being raised on a farm. Yes, right? and it yeah. was a hard life for him. And that's why I think they had 11 children to farm the land and all. And back then in the cultural time that was going on, it was hard. And daddy had my father and my grandfather and all the ancestors had what really back in that day and time blacks weren't supposed to have. Because, to be honest, we were pretty well off back then. We didn't know it as children. But to think back and reflect on the histories that my 
father's side of the family tells us about what they had and all of that, they weren't supposed to have that because blacks weren't supposed to have that. They weren't supposed to be that fortunate. But the blacks back in that day and time worked for everything that they got. So looking back on my life, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I just didn't know that as a child, but I can appreciate every moment. And I tell a lot of people when I come in contact with them about our history. And, you know, I'm, some family members probably say, why are you telling that? That's not something to tell. Yes, it is. It really is. It says a lot about where we have come from and what we endured and look at us now. By the grace of God, we are who we are. Yes, ma'am. Very good point. Uh, just to echo a little bit of what Cynthia said, I agree 100% what she has said. Daddy made us what we are. I mean, had it not been for Daddy's sternness, like she said, we would not be the people we are today. Well, you know, the one thing that I want to add to that, Ruthie, um, is the one thing that I've noticed about my aunts and about my uncles, particularly my aunts, y'all are some very energetic and family-oriented and high-achieving women. Always doing something positive, always looking out for your family. Um, no matter how tired you are, you still get out there and you get done what needs to get done. And a lot of it has to do with the way you were raised and the work ethic that Frank instilled in you. I'm proud of who you ladies have become. And I think we have him to thank, as well as Mildred as well. But you all are the epitome and what all of our younger generation and the family should try to aspire to, in my eyes. I second that sentiment. Now, let, let's talk to Aunt Tom, and then we'll come to Aunt uh, Uncle Eddie to talk about Frank. Well, I can remember when me, me, Dale, and Puny were the last three at home. So, if we wanted to go somewhere with Ruthie, <laughs> who was a little older, then uh, we'll say, Say, we say, for instance, we wanted to go to the softball game at the park with Ruthie. And then we'll say, say, Dale, go in there and ask Daddy, can we go? He said, I ain't going to ask him. You go ask him. <laughs> so anyway, we, one of us would end up uh, going ask him. So they'll say, can they go such and such? And then say, can I? Can I? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the funniest memories I remember when we, when me, Dale, and Puna was the last three left at home. So on Sundays we would get, he would give he would give us the tape recorder and we would be in there um, singing on the tape recorder um, singing the church songs on the tape recorder, but we could sing on it or whatever as long as we wasn't playing and stuff. He said, "Y'all y'all playing on that thing? I'm gonna get it back in here." And um, and another thing, um, every time um, one of his friends or something came around, he would have us singing for him. But anyway, we always sang in the quiet church and everything. He was the pastor, whatever. So I guess that's how that, how that goes. So let me see if I got this right. So when he gave y'all the tape recording, he was around. Y'all would sing church songs and praise the Lord. But when he was gone, y'all uh -uh, be we singing didn't, we didn't Prince get it when he was James gone. Brown. No, he and, just let us sing you know, on it when he was there. That's mostly. secular music. <laughs> well, he. Well, I'll put it like this: on Sundays, you definitely had to. Do the Sunday things. You you weren't allowed to dance and carry. And on we couldn't on be Sundays. playing the cards. We would be playing cards, but right. not on Sundays. He he <laughs> definitely believed in his Sundays that that was the Lord's day. So we weren't allowed to to do things on Sundays that weren't. And when it was storming, thundering, lightning outside, 
You had to be as still as still could be and as quiet as a mouse. Why is that? Because you respected the Lord in his works. Really? So when it was thundering outside and you had all that going on, he didn't want you guys to make a whole lot of noise? Because no. And I can remember one time, I can't remember which person, which sibling it was, but they were like, look at that old son. Do you know we got in trouble for that? No kidding. Because that was part of God's work. You didn't say, look at that old son. Okay, wow. So, yeah. Extremely religious. Okay. James, Eddie, do you have anything you want to share about your daddy, Frank? I will say this. Daddy was, he was a good daddy. A lot of people thought daddy was mean, but I take issue with that. Cynthia said daddy was stern. He was stern. He cared. He was firm. He wanted the best for us. He gave us love, but he gave us a different type of love. He gave us tough love. If you look up tough love in a worldly dictionary, it's love that you care. The world don't understand that tough love. It keeps you out of trouble. In my, all my years, because of daddy, I was able to stay out of trouble. Didn't say I was always right, but I knew how far to go. I knew that there was a name there, the Jordans, that I never wanted to tarnish. So we are who we are because of daddy, because of mama. That's a special name, Jordan. We don't ever want to tarnish that. He was a good man. I have one additional comment to make. And this one, I disagree with daddy. And that was just me being a child and being, I guess, rebellious. But I will always remember, and it will stick with me. You know, Daddy had us. We all grew our own food. So we had turnip greens. We had a big old strawberry patch. Matter of fact, this home is sitting on the big old strawberry patch we had. But Daddy's friends would come up. And, you know, they go in the house, and they talk and all that. And they would come to pick turnip greens or strawberries or corn or whatever. Well, this I strongly Disagreed with daddy. He would always have us to go pick the turnip green strawberries and everything. And in my mind, I'm thinking, they getting it free. They can go out there and pick their own. But the children of Frank Jordan had to go out there and pick the greens, pick the strawberries and anything else that they were getting free while they're sitting up there talking to daddy. <laughs> and you know, but that was like, the love daddy had. That, that that was a tough way to show, but that's what he did. And she's right. And like Cynthia said, you know, we'd have to go and so we would, you know, talk among ourselves, of course, not let daddy hear us, but we was like, you know, if they want this stuff, why can't they come pick their own? And so it wasn't like, you know, go out there and pick a little bag or whatever. We had to pick bushels and bushels of of greens and beans and stuff. And I mean, that was hard work, you know, and, you know, when we were kids and we felt like we didn't even, you know, get thank you for it, you know, but I will say this much in, in closing, um, daddy, dad, I, I think I told you this before. We went to church every Sunday and we had this family that fed daddy and all of his kids every Sunday. We went to their house. So, you know, we were out as I grew older and I was like, you know, how could, how could they feed all of daddy's kids every Sunday? But daddy grew everything pretty much that you could name. And so, um, daddy shared, and back then, you know, they shared, they shared what they grew 
or whatever. And so daddy would, you know, always, you know, provide them with potatoes and stuff like that. But that was one of our incentives to go to church. Well, we were going anyway, but, you know, we looked forward to as soon as church was over, we went to this family's house and we ate good. I mean, we had fried chicken, candy yam, sweet potatoes, turnip greens, cornbread. I mean, we looked forward to it. It was a meal every Sunday that we did. But like you say, but daddy grew everything we, I mean, it's popcorn, everything you could name. Popcorn? And, um, he grew popcorn too? He grew popcorn, you know. And you had no to kidding. get that popcorn out of the field before it got extremely hot, but it would pop in the field. Corn or specifically popcorn? Popcorn and corn. We, we wait, kinda, wait, wait, What's yeah, the difference between the two? Popcorn is what you Some eat. Some education. Pop, <laughs> you know what popcorn is? I mean, it's- what popcorn is, but- I know what popcorn is, but what's the difference between regular corn and popping corn? Regular no, corn. No, not pop. Well, popping corn, it's a little, real small grain. You know, you see the grains of popcorn, but corn is a different, it's a kernel, a different. And he grew, you know, all that. I know we had a, I had a, I had a problem with corn and, and grass. Daddy would tell us, go out there and chop this get the grass out of that cornfield, right? Well, the grass and the corn looked looked alike. It was a pretty green. And I you know, we would chop up the we would chop up the corn and the grass was still there. And to echo what Ruthie said, the Johnson grass and the corn looked extremely alike. So Daddy would be up in the house, probably looking out the window at us, and if we determined that we don't chopped up some corn, we take the corn and throw it over in the woods before daddy came out to check out the field. And he had a lot, you know, I mean, back then, you know, seeds for growing, you know, stuff and all. I mean, it was, it was very expensive. So, you know, you had to really be careful at how you, you know, manage the, you know, the stuff that you, you know, so he was very particular about. Yeah, that, that's a lesson that I hear that sent and um, her brother Mike learned. <laughs> yes, very dropping much Dropping seeds so. in a hole, trying to very hide it from her so. daddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kids think they thought they were smarter than grown folks. But in actuality, you was way dumber than grown folks. Grown folks knew everything. You couldn't fool them. And, and that's the lesson today. Elder folks, they, they, they know what time it is. You hadn't seen it yet. So whatever you think you doing, somebody's already been there, already seen it. To that point, Eddie, experience is the best teacher. All right, anybody have any last words they'd like to share before we close up? I would just like to share, as far as the family as a whole, both the Jordan family and Bernard family were such a loving family and were so close as Reverend Ackland would say, close-knitted family. And that is so true. And I'm so blessed and so thankful to have had a family like that because most families are not close and they're always, there's always controversy between family members. But I can truly say that the Jordan family and Bernard family are close-knitted families who care about each other no matter where, whether family members are right or wrong, get in trouble or not, we all stick together. We support each other and love each other. So that's a blessing from God on high, and I am truly thankful. 
Well said. Uncle Lady, would you like to say something? One final thing. The Jordan, Bernard, good people. As I told Corey last night, your family, the Bakers were good people. The Bakers was good people. I know them. Your grandmother, sweet lady. So you all got something. We all got something we can pull out and you can carry on. Remember the names, the Jordans, the Bakers, the Bernards. That's, that's, those are names that should be reverent. Thank you for sharing that, Uncle Letty. Hey, Ruthie, do you have anything you want to close out with? Like my siblings just said, you know, we are a close, very loving family. But to just keep up the good work, continue. Um, and for you guys, you know, um, try to, you know, visit more. Um, Keep in touch, you know, that kind of stuff. But Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But that's it. Thank you for sharing that. And Tom, is there anything you would like to say as last words before we close out? Just like her mama, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it has been an absolute blast hanging out with my family, talking about those that have passed on, and just reminiscing on some of the great stories that we all had with them and that we all shared. But we will eventually do this again one day. We've been in location in Huntsville, Alabama. Today is my last day being here. And I'm so sad that I didn't get the opportunity to stay longer and collect some more of these wonderful stories from the Bernard and the Jordan family. But y'all continue to listen in. There will be more to come in the future. Thank you. You'll hear from us soon. And thank you, Taurus Baker and Corey. We love you. You're welcome, A.T.